It went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook just away. Well, welcome to another edition of For the Good of the Game. Bruce Devlin, can you believe that we've already released 100 episodes since starting our podcast back in April? Well, when you called me and suggested doing a podcast, I thought you were crazy. But uh, <laughs> so I agreed I. to go along with you because <laughs> because I I knew you probably had a pretty good idea what might happen. But I, I'm telling you, the guys that uh, the guys have been so great to us. They've given of their time. They've told us all the little intricate stories about some of the great things that happened to them. Some good, some bad on the golf course, but. It's been a pleasure talking with him, and boy, we've covered a lot of great players. Well, we sure have, and and you know, looking back uh, to that time back in April or a little before, I guess I I know we had a couple of phone conversations about doing something, and uh, I don't remember specifically how the idea got into my head to do a podcast. I do remember that uh, I found I I had found myself with. Uh, a lot of time on my hands because uh, several of my uh, responsibilities <laughs> were were behind me. And I woke up one morning and said, man, I, I need something to do or I'm going to go crazy. And I thought about, I don't know why, I thought about a podcast. For people that have heard our original trailer, uh, we did talk a little bit about perhaps it'll be interviews with PGA stars, but also maybe talk about uh, golf travel in the UK. Well, we sort of set that aside, didn't we? Because we've we've really sort of found our groove with these interviews. Yeah, well, the, uh, like I said uh, originally, the, the guys have been just, uh, I mean, you know, the, for some of these guys have sat with us for a couple of hours, you know, and they've talked, talked about uh, how they first started in the game and who was their major influence and uh, certain guys that, you know, really helped him a great deal. It's been a very, very interesting uh, set of uh, podcasts, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. It's been great doing them with these guys. They've been fabulous. So what, what were your initial thoughts when I, I posed the question about doing a podcast back in April? Did you, did you think I was crazy or did you see where this might uh, end up? Well, to be honest with you, I was a, uh, I wasn't expecting it, that's for sure. But then, when I got to thinking about it, I've always felt like I've had uh, I've had a pretty good rapport with with all of my peers. Uh, I know, you know, I love the game, and uh, obviously, they've loved the game to have to have, you know use golf as a way to make a living. So I thought, you know, maybe maybe I can uh, you know lean on some of these guys to do a podcast with us and. And it's uh, that's exactly what's happened. You know, they've they've been uh, they've been very forward with us, and it's been great. It hasn't taken a lot of leaning either, has it? I mean, these guys have been very receptive to your calls. Yeah, they have been. Uh, you know, when you think about some of the things that these guys have, I mean, they remember the most intricate details about some of the shots that I hit. You know, case in point. Be the right club today that that Hal Sutton, you know, when he hit that six iron at the last hole at the uh, at the Players Championship. I mean, you know, you could see the emotion uh, just pouring out of him after he hit that shot, and and you could hear it again when he was recalling it when we talked with him. So, you know, things like that, and then uh, I mean, one of the great shots that I remember watching, even I played in the. I, I didn't play in the open, but uh, I watched Corey Pavin hit that second shot at Shinnecock with a forward to about three feet. Uh, I mean, well, that's one of the greatest golf shots that's you know that's ever been hit to win an Open Championship. It sure was. It's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, we have relived with these guys some just some great great golf moments and golf history. Uh, you know, going back to April, we think about what we set out to do. And as I mentioned, we had sort of a two pronged approach, which has gravitated toward just focusing on these, uh, these interviews. And we'll talk about that in a minute. There are some, as we did our research on this space, because we're really sort of in this telling the golf history space, aren't we? We're telling these guys' stories. Uh, yeah. And so that's been the focus. And, you know, there's a couple of other, I think, history oriented podcasts that, uh, 
one's been around for a while, one not quite as, as long. And I want to give a shout out to Connor T. Lewis. Connor uh, formed a group called the Society of Golf Historians and does a podcast called Talking Golf History, which has been out there for three or four years. And he talks uh, typically a little older golf history, you know, talks about some of the great architects mm-hmm. of the game, some of the great early players of the game, like an Allen Robertson or the Morrises or uh, people like that. And, uh, but he has on occasion talked to, uh, uh guys, uh, that we know and have talked to guys like Dean Beeman, Tony Jacklin. He just finished an interview with, with Al, Al Guyberger. And so, uh, in the same space, but they've, they've done a nice job capturing golf history. Uh, the RNA also sponsors a podcast called the open podcast where they try to go out and, and tell the story of the various opens of the past, talking to either the champion or maybe some mm-hmm. other major figure in that, uh, in that. But, but other than that, that seems to be the only podcast really focused on talking golf history. And that's what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to, uh, with these pros of yesteryear, tell their story. They're not just their golf story, but their life story. And as you said, these guys right. have been ge- very generous with your time. I mean, it's rare unless we've pre-scheduled a time slot and then agreed to come back to these guys. It's rare that we don't go two hours plus with these guys, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, we, we've, I mean, you cover the history. We, we really are covering the history of the game from, you know, sort of the mid, early to mid 60s up until, pretty much up until, the, you know, today. Uh not with a lot of the younger players. When we say younger players, I'm talking about <laughs> guys younger than fifty. Right. Uh, yeah. Not too, not too many of them. But uh, it's it. It really, you know, look at what we've done. What thirty-one guests that we've interviewed. Uh, Twelve of the thirty-one living Hall of Fame guys. We've interviewed twelve of the thirty-one of them. So right. you know, right. it's yeah. uh, pretty. Pretty nice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, continuing along with, with some of this, just the statistics from the uh, first 100 episodes, uh, we also went back and found that there's still 111 living winners of majors. And we've interviewed about a quarter of them so far. And uh, that's part of the right. aim, which we'll talk about later in terms of the future, you know, what we're looking to do. Uh, but our guests have won a lot of stuff, haven't they, Bruce? Well, they've won uh, 73 majors, 409 PGA Tour events, and 1,012 worldwide professional golf wins. Now, that's a, that's a lot of talent, boy. And it's a lot of stories too, isn't it? Because you think about uh, talking to guys that have won 73 majors, we've specifically talked about just about each one of those too with these guys, haven't we? That's right. We have too. And, uh, it's, you know, I keep repeating myself, I know, but, uh, I mean, they, they've just been so, so wonderful to, to the both of us and given us, given us their time and, uh, and thoughts about their history in this wonderful game of golf. You know, we talk when we, uh, as we were getting started about where our focus ought to be and, and, uh, we produced some lists for ourselves that listed, uh, world hall golf hall of fame members. Uh, major championship winners. We, we sort of did it by date of birth so that we could identify some of the guys that were a little bit older and, and uh, uh, want to be able to tell their stories while we have them around. We, we sort of focused initially, and I kept looking at the, the, the 100 major championships that were contested between the years 1960 and 1984. I mean, we, we, we do go back to like a Gary player that won before 1960, but for the most part, focusing on those 100 majors. And what we found yeah. were that, that the winners of 72 of those 100 majors are still with us. And we've talked to the winners of 54 of those majors. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty nice, isn't it? So we've, uh, we've got a lot uh, that we've been able to accomplish, Bruce. Uh, by the time our listeners hear this uh, updated trailer, I guess, as we call it, looking back on the first 100, it's been about a 50-50 split between full episodes released. We did 49 of those so far that are recorded and released, and 51 of what we call the short tracks. Now, the the short tracks was, this is uh, something we hadn't really thought about when we started, 
but uh, we've had That's some fun right. with those, haven't we? Yeah, they've been great. Uh, I mean, I've had a lot of the guys that, that we've interviewed call and say, you know, I, I, I listened to that short track. It's, you know, that's a great way of uh, promoting the podcast itself, and it really has been. It's been been terrific. And, you know, we're, we're, we're covering a lot of people, you know. We're, uh, we've got listeners in 58 countries, 58 yeah. countries. Yeah. Yeah. And twenty seven hundred plus cities around the world. Now that's uh, I never expected it to be quite honest with you. No, I didn't. I, I thought there's no way that we'd we'd reach that far. But uh, and I, and I think part of it is the history of some of the uh, international players that have come over here and played on the PGA Tour, and they've got friends all around the world, and they hear a podcast from say a Tony Jacklin and we get people from England that are very, very interested in, in listening to podcasts. And I think that's, that's how we've uh, ended up reaching those 2,700 cities. Yeah, I think you're right, Bruce. Uh, and you know, there are, uh, there are rankings that are available. If you look on Apple or some of the other major podcast platforms, which we try to keep track of, not so much because we want to get ranked high necessarily. That doesn't do us much except in the case of uh, platforms like Apple, the higher you're ranked, obviously, the higher uh, you are up in the list of people that are looking for podcasts to listen to. And so there is some benefit yeah. if we want more listeners to to get as high in the rankings as we can. What we found is that for people who will subscribe and or follow us and our podcast, that's what really makes a difference in the rankings. But I've been encouraged to, to see that for the most part, we consistently rank in the top 50 in just about every major English-speaking country in the world, and you would expect with with your roots in Australia, we cover Australia, New Zealand very well, but Canada, the UK, the US, all uh, consistently ranked in the in the top fifty. And you know, I don't know what I expected uh, coming into this, Bruce, but um, uh, I'm sure I'm sure pleased with those results so far. Yeah, and we you know we've got a lot of uh, we've got a lot more guys that I've had the fortune to talk to you know we got guys like bobby nichols and lee jansen a two-time open champion winner steve stricker who just captained the Ryder cup uh, a few months ago stads the great craig stadler davis love the third uh hopefully we haven't been able to talk to johnny miller but uh we, we certainly hope to get him and lou graham and uh our 63 Open champion winner Bob Charles. He'll yeah, be on with us in the, the middle to late part of February. And uh, the one guy that I'm, I'm I'm having trouble corralling is that Lee Trevino. Now we had him, as you know, we had him set up to do one of the first three podcasts, and then he something happened, and he had to back out. And I've been chasing him ever since, but. I'll get him. He's, he can't run as quick as I can. <laughs> I think he was the first guy to say well, that'll yes be fun to, to do. Yeah, he, he was our. Yeah, he was our and he'll first. be he'll be just he'll be fun to do it with too. Yeah, you know, I started reflecting back on some of the things that we've come to learn just uh, having started this back a few months ago, and and there's a lot we have. As you mentioned, the the one thing that really struck me was uh, not not only how generous these guys are with their time, but they. Uh, they enjoy telling their stories. I mean, once they get into it, uh, they really have a good time sort of taking themselves back to that day and, and, and life on tour and the camaraderie and the fellowship and the competition. They just seem to really relish that. And even, uh, you know, they, I got, I get a kick out of listening to them about when they first started to play the game. A lot of them didn't play golf originally. They played other sports Everyone that did that, by the way, uh, they were they thought that that was a great way to to get into golf. Having gone through the uh, the teams, the team sport business, you know, playing baseball and uh, basketball, uh, you know, and then others, you know, started playing when they were three and four years old. So yeah. there's a diverse way of uh, the guys getting into the professional game. It's been been very very interesting. It really is probably uh, maybe one of the, the guys who came upon the game later than most. You think about Larry Nelson, his experience uh, going to Vietnam, Nelson. coming back, and then, you know, 
Boy, what a what a story, you know. He and to have the record that he's had has been amazing. He's uh, and he was like all of them, so generous with his time, and you know. And uh, I, I know you know, but uh, yeah, I'm involved a little bit with the Ben Hogan Company, and we we had we were fortunate enough to talk to Robert Stennett, who uh, who's the executive director of the Ben Hogan Foundation here in Fort Worth, and. Uh, he, you know, part of uh, part of Larry's history was that he he was uh, he he went to uh, basic training in Fort Hood, and right. uh, that's where the Ben Hogan Foundation holds a golf tournament for all of our all of our guys that protect us uh, around the world. and And I think next year, I think Larry may come back and uh, and uh, relive some of the memories when he was there. Uh, when he was a young man, when he was twenty or eighteen year old, I guess he was when he went there. Yeah, yeah. I hope he's able to make that happen in his schedule this year. Uh, uh, you know, looking back on on this body of interviews, if you think about thirty one guests, of course that includes you, and we did a four part series on you. Unfortunately, the the earlier ones that we did, uh, the ones in person, the ones with you telling your story, the ones we did down in Dallas with uh, with uh, David Graham and and Robert Stennett, Lanny Watkins. Lanny. We don't have it. We don't have any video for those. It's just audio only because we weren't toting cameras around and we weren't using this Riverside platform. Right. So we don't have video, uh, but we've got some great audio, and and uh, uh, those were some fun interviews to do. It's a different dynamic, isn't it, when you can get in the same room with these guys? Yeah, it is. But you know something, uh, uh, you know the Riverside FM where where we all hook up one another. Uh, it's, it's great to be able to see all three of us together. Uh, it's sort of like a semi-Zoom call, I suppose, but uh, it's uh, it's it's fun to be able to see the guys when you're talking to them rather than, you know, talking over a phone or something. I think another thing that I've learned is, and I guess it was to be expected, but uh, uh, most of these guys are not uh, very technically proficient, are they? <laughs> no, that's true. Well, join the club. I'm not. I'm a bit that way too. And I thank you for for, for all the work that you do, uh, audio wise and computer wise, with with all these guys. You're the one. You, you know, you're the nuts and bolts part of this group. And it's been a been a great pleasure, Mike, working with you. It's been a it's been fun. I had no earthly idea what this was going to turn into, but it's, but it's really been very, very nice. And I thank you for all your hard work. Well, it has been fun. And, uh, you know, I just think about some of the stuff we go through, you know, we, for our listeners, we generally try to do a test hookup with our guests to make sure that, uh, they know how to get onto the platform with us. We'll be ready to go when all of us are scheduled to record our interview. And, uh, I have to say we had some, some problems with a couple of our guests and Bruce, I don't know about you, but these would be two guys that I wouldn't expect to have the patience of Job, but they did. And one was Dean Beeman. I spent an hour and 40 minutes with right. Dean trying to get him hooked up. He ended up going over to a neighbor's house and using their computer. And the other one was Curtis Strange. Borrowing their computer. Spent- <laughs> and, and, and Curtis Strange and I, we spent, uh, oh, at least over an hour and, uh, uh, of course, speaking to Curtis Strange, the first interview we did with him, uh, it's the only time it's happened, but we lost you about 10 minutes in, didn't we? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Mike. I don't know. I have no idea about it all. So, I mean, that's why I'm happy that you're doing it with me because I, I'd be lost like a lot of the guys are lost. <laughs> Well, you know, it's the only one we've kind of just winged it. And, and so Curtis and I just pressed on and we we did a, a bit more, uh, just the two of us. And then, of course, we were able to get him back together with the three of us to kind of uh, do the rest of the story. A couple of other uh, remembrances are we had a couple of guys that did the interviews from their from their automobiles. <laughs> yeah, that, I was just going to say, Azinger, Azinger yeah. was sitting in his Tesla. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, doing the interview, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, and and if you Strange. remember, I think I think Nathaniel Crosby, as we talked to him right before the Walker Cup, he did the same thing. He went out into his car and did the interview mm-hmm. in his car. That's true. He did. Yeah, when it was nice and quiet. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's been uh, it's been fun doing it. It has, and and yeah, you mentioned some of the some of the great stories we've heard. Of course, we talked to Ben Crenshaw, and and uh, so many great stories around him. Both Masters wins, particularly the one coming on the heels of the Harvey Penick uh, funeral. Penick, he and Tom yeah. Kite went down there. That was quite a story. Uh, it was quite a story, and uh, you know, and that's uh, I, I said to Ben the other day, who had his seventieth uh, birthday, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he had yeah. his seventieth yeah. birthday. Uh, I called him up and said, "You know, I remember when uh, you were in college at Texas, and uh, the NCAA's were in uh, on the west coast of Florida. I think they were in." Uh, I'm not sure whether they're in Tampa or St. Pete, one or the other. But uh, at that time, I was under contract with Spalding, and I went over there and did a uh, did a clinic for the NCAA boys. And Crenshaw and Kite were both sitting on the ground, uh, and I was doing a doing a uh, a little uh, clinic for them. Which I reminded Ben of that. You know, it's been nearly fifty years. It's, yeah. it's remarkable. Pretty incredible. Uh, of course, you remember talking to fellow Aussie Steve Elkington, and of course, when you talk to Steve Elkington, uh, the stories of Jackie Burke and Jimmy Demerit are going to come out. Yeah, yeah, boy, some great ones. Yeah, and the because I think you know the the Sutton story too with uh, with Jackie Burke is one of the great stories when uh, you know where he where he ended up slapping him, and you know when he kept on missing a putt, and he said to Sutton, "You know, does that hurt?" And Sutton said, of course it hurts. He said, well, it ought to hurt when you miss those six and eight footers as well. <laughs> as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, he whopped, him up, he whopped him up the side of the head pretty well, didn't he? Yeah, he sure did. It was it was fun for me to do this. The first one in person, I guess the we would give David Graham the credit of really being our first official guest. We did that one in person, and it was uh, – Apparent to me how close you two guys were. Uh, you both go back a long ways. Uh, it was interesting to hear him uh, really sort of get emotional reflecting back on his early days, but also on his success and ultimately getting recognized by the World Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, a couple of great major championships that we recounted uh, from Oakland Hills yeah. and, and Marion with him. Yeah, terrific. Well, and and the one thing that sticks in my mind more than anything else is that uh, uh, when he was a very young man, uh, he before Gloria and I moved to the United States in 1968, he he came by my house or our house in Canberra and stole a golf club out of my collection. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm not sure. I, I don't quite recall which one it was, but uh, he went he went downstairs where I had all my clubs in a in a closet, and he went, started rooting around in there, and finally found one he thought he liked. So uh, <laughs> I'll always remember that too. Yeah, he and I he and I were were very close, still are. Yep, and he credits you with uh, with uh, helping him. Uh, sort of transition his game to be ready to play on the American circuit. Yeah, well that that all uh, that was the uh, that happened after he and I won the World Cup down in Argentina in uh, nineteen seventy, and he asked me was uh, you know would I suggest he do something to his golf game, and I said to him, uh, Yeah, I do. I've I got a couple of ideas, but I'm not sure so sure you want to do them. <laughs> <laughs> when I told him about what I thought he should do, he he was he said, "Okay, let's do it. Sounds sounds like it's going to be hard, but let's do it." So yeah. we took him from a flat, closed golf swing to a more upright swing. Got a little closer to the ball, and boy, he turned into be a, just a real bulldog on the golf course. What a great player! How about visiting with Gary Player? I guess that's the one interview of the 31 guys we've talked to where I just sort of set the script aside. Yep. And, you know, he he recalled he recalled coming to Australia and playing an exhibition with a young man who was 17 years old, and they played an exhibition on a golf course in a little town called Yass, Y-A-S-S, in New South Wales, Sand Greens, and the and the young boy that he played that exhibition with was me, 
Yep. So uh, what am I? I'm 84 minus 17. <laughs> what, 60? <laughs> Is that 67 years Six, ago? Yeah, can you believe that? Oh, yeah. man, what a unbelievable to think that you go back that far. And uh, I tell you, you know, Gary just just lost his lovely wife, Vivian, here a few months back, and he's uh, – He's got a fantastic view on life, you know. Uh, he said he had, you know, 60-odd of the greatest years he ever had with a woman that he loved and his closest friend. And, uh, you know, uh, as hard as it may be, he's, you know, he's ready to live the rest of his life. And, and he still can laugh and uh, he's, a, he's a fun guy to be around. Wouldn't you just love to be able to, Take that enthusiasm he has for life, bottle it, bottle it up, pull, put it in pill format, and just take one every morning and sell it. Yeah, <laughs> well, and sell it too. <laughs> oh man, I guess yeah. Of course, we talked to Jack Nicholas, and uh, Jack was in that familiar office uh, office setting in his home that uh, you may see in other interviews, and uh, uh, had a nice time reflecting on a whole host of things. Some of it being the charities he's involved in. Of course, he did talk about uh, some of the early days and traveling again at Australia, where uh, oftentimes uh, uh, under the management of Mark McCormick, you and, and Jack and Arnie and Gary Player were featured around the world in a series of exhibitions, weren't you? That's true. Yeah, that's true. And we we recalled some of the crazy things that we did back then, too. Uh, <laughs> like throwing the pizzas sure out the people, window? if they li- well, steak. Well, not pieces. Oh, it was no. a steak. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was thinking frisbee. <laughs> it was <but> immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, that was sort of a that was a that was a funny evening at the Chevron Hotel in Melbourne, Victoria. Uh, but uh, yeah, he, he's been a great friend. As uh, you know, and I I started my relationship with Jack a long long way back back in uh, in 1960 when I was selected for the second time to to go play in the Eisenhower Cup matches at Marion, uh, I ended up going to to uh, Nicholas's house, or his family's house actually, in Columbus and practiced with him and stood on the practice tee with him and Jack Grouty's great coach. And then we went and played the uh, U.S. Amateur in St. Louis that uh, that actually Dean Beeman ended up winning the, winning the Amateur that year. But yeah. uh, Jack and I have been... been close friends for a long, long time. And uh, he and Barbara are just two of the finest people you'd ever want to meet. You know, a couple of the interviews uh, that stand out to me um, are with guys that, uh, and a lot of these guys were like this, Bruce, but uh, I found guys like Charlie Cootie. We talked to Charlie about uh, his master's win 50 years ago. And, uh, Bill Rogers, we talked about his win at Royal St. George's in the Open Championship. I think that was uh, 40 years ago in 1981, maybe. Um, I just found them to yeah. be uh, down-to-earth, humble, very unassuming guys, and it was just a delight to talk to them. Yeah, that you know, and you can you can go through a lot of the other names too. Uh, you know, we we think about Andy North, you know. Uh, recalling the uh, second open victory that he had, you know, trying, trying to make a bogey on the last hole to win. You know, I mean, it's, that's, it's quite remarkable really when you think about it. Mark Kalkovecchia winning the open. Yeah. It was kind of neat to hear, hear you talk about playing with uh, a very, very young Jerry Pate at Atlanta athletic club. Uh, Yeah. The first two rounds, you and Charlie Cootie, and he was quite, Quite grateful to the two of you for being so kind to a young guy who had just won the U.S. Amateur the year before, and uh, right, he ends up winning the U.S. Open. Yeah, well, you know, he paid us. He paid Charlie Cudi and I a great compliment, and uh, and he remembers that. Now I remember something that happened that that second day. We were we get to the fifteenth hole, the great par three there at the Atlanta Athletic Club, and. I mean, it's a miserable par three. Water on the right hand side, bunkers left, and uh, I guess I had the I had the honour and the tee, and I hit it in the left bunker, and Charlie Cootie hit it in the left bunker, and I'm uh, standing back there watching Pate, and I'm wondering what he's going to do. You know, he's a young, you know, 
damn near a rookie on the tour, and he stands up there with the two iron and started it right at the flag, and it stayed right on the flag. He hit it about five feet, made a two. And I thought, man, this guy, this guy could really play. Well, <laughs> he sure did. He won, he won the Open that weekend with that fabulous shot that he hit on the second shot on the 18th hole out of the right rough with a five iron. What a shot. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've talked to, well, we've talked to probably guys that have uh, won at least a dozen of each of the four major championships. We went through some of the stats earlier, but, uh, you know, we just talked to Mark O'Meara and, and uh, he had two uh, major championship wins uh, after the age of 42 or three, didn't he? Yeah, which was which is quite remarkable. And then, you know, then we can, we had, uh, we had Larry Myers, you know, re, Recalling what happened at a, at Augusta when he when he chipped in on Norman, uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot know, of uh, Nick Price. Nick Price, what a what a great champion! I tell you, what a fun guy he was to watch swing the golf club. Holy smokes! There was a period of time, Bruce, as you know, uh, probably the hottest guy on the planet, and man, he was dialed in. Yeah, he could, he was he was very tough to beat there for a couple of years. I mean, he just about won just about everything he played in. And then we have uh, we have our Canadian Mike Weir who recalls his victory too. So, you know, it's been a it's been terrific. Yeah, you're you know, we talked to your old buddy Tony Jacklin who was involved in a lot of great golf history. Uh, you know, won the won the Open Championship I think in 69 was it at Litham? Uh, and then uh, in 1970 uh, comes across and wins the the US Open Hazel team. Yeah, the, the on uh, on uh, on the cow pasture. <laughs> We've heard some Dave Hill stories, haven't uh, we? Huh? Uh, haven't we heard some Dave Hill stories? Yeah. yeah. And what about Hale? What about Hale Irwin? Three U.S. Opens, uh, uh, and uh, I don't know how many wins does he have on the senior circuit now? Uh, record setter. Forty. Forty-five, six? I think. Forty-six, maybe. Yeah, that's, and I think, uh, I think a guy that ultimately we'll talk to, Bernhard Langer, uh, he may he may actually break Irwin's record of wins on the uh, on the on the Champions Tour. But uh, what what a career Irwin had, you know? I mean, and you talk about a center focus guy. I mean, he he got into a dream when he was playing. Just. Complete control, like a lot like Nicholas in lots of ways. And Bruce, you know, I know we sure enjoyed hearing from Dave Stockton, him talking about his two PGA wins, but wasn't it a delight to hear some of the stories coming out of that 1991 Ryder Cup victory where he was a captain and his sons were his co-captains? Yeah, it was very interesting, wasn't it? And, you know, I, I remember back uh, playing a lot of golf with Dave Stockton. I always considered him one of the greatest putters that ever played the game. And, of course, He's uh, he's responsible for a lot of the guys on the tour today, uh, changing their putting method. So, uh, yeah, he had a couple of PGA victories for him, and then the Ryder Cup issue. It was fun talking with David. He's uh, he's been a good player, and uh, and has been great for the game of golf. Really, it was a fun visit, and I told both he and Hal Sutton. I think we even put it in our episode notes. I think. Uh, if you look at the complete body of work of those two players between the majors, TPC wins in case of uh, in case of uh, how you look at the the amateur careers, but also you look at the post career, particularly with uh, with Dave and what he's done with teaching the game of golf. I think that both both bodies of work are worthy of Hall of Fame consideration. There's no doubt about it. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I guess uh, Bruce, one thing that uh, I don't know. I, I I guess I've come to learn is a, a, a bit more about the mindset of these champions. Uh, uh, all competitive, most with a killer instinct, but there was that sort of mentality that that's present in all of these guys that uh, uh, perhaps you don't see with uh, oh I don't know uh, the typical let's just say journeyman uh, tour player. Uh, these guys had a champion's mentality. Yeah, I think uh, I see it in quite a lot of them, uh, and in particular with Jack, 
uh, you could, if you're paired with Jack and once, once you hit your tee shot and you walk down the fairway and you could talk about any subject with him and then about when he was about 15 yards short of his golf ball, it was like uh, uh, tune out, uh, you know, there's a game at hand and uh, he just went into his little uh, cocoon and and worked out what he wanted to do with the golf shot and, and obviously uh, did exactly what he wanted to do a lot of times. But uh, I, I see, I saw that in a in a lot of the guys as well. I think uh, one of my favorite interviews that we've had thus far was with Tom Watson, and uh, with Tom, yeah. we told his early story, which will be our episode one hundred that our listeners will have just listened to. But then we just focused on his five Open Championship wins because uh, some people may remember, but we released that episode to coincide with Open Championship Week back in July. And to right. hear those stories, not not just the stories of success, but right. he had a very particular story about a big failure that everybody remembers as well. I, it Maybe it's... It, maybe failure is not the right word, but certainly a large, large disappointment. Yeah, well, he uh, he's well, you know what a record, what a record he's had at the Open, uh, and in the early days, he, you know, he said he was befuddled actually playing on uh, on the European or the you know the Scottish type golf courses, but boy, did he learn how to play them. Uh, some some fabulous victories. Uh, I think I think the one that I remember the most is uh, he and Jack being paired the last two days together, and and boy, you talk about a shot for shot uh, dogfight. That was it. That was an exhibition of golf, and then of course uh, we just sort of alluded to the the uh, the, the very 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 difficult uh, loss that he experienced as a fifty nine year old. It's just hard to believe at, yeah. at Turnberry against Stuart Sink. Yeah, and he, you know, he's he's very open about the fact that that uh, you know if sort of like what Hogan said, you know, you you see the ball going through the air and you try to repeat what you got in your mind, and and he he did exactly that. He said that he hit the most perfect eight iron second shot that he could hit and unfortunately it sort of caught a little downslope in the green and it sort of kicked forward a little bit more than probably it normally would carry the ball another yard or be another yard short he probably wins the open but you know one never knows what's going to happen do you then he fails to get it up and down and then Stewart beats him in a in a four-hole playoff so it was uh it was a very very tough loss but you know he's he's uh, he's okay about talking about it too. You know he'll tell you there was a great disappointment, but what a what a chance to win the Open at fifty nine, boy. Maybe my favorite part of the interview with Tom is finding uh, or discovering what a good impersonator he is. Particularly, he does a really good Jack Nicholas. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a very talented uh, boy, you know. And and, and there, there was a time when when Mister Watson was struggling with himself too, you know. Uh, and he uh, he was strong enough to to get over that problem and become one of the great players that ever played the game. As you look across some of the guys we've talked to, uh, when it comes to closing golf tournaments, were there any guys more so than Lanny Watkins and Hal Sutton that like to keep their foot on the gas? I don't think so. Uh, uh, I think uh, I think you probably nailed it. Well, maybe Curtis. Curtis yeah. is a you know, and, and uh, of course you start going through them. That's you talk about that. Do you leave Jack out of it? You know, it's hard to sure. leave him out sure. of it. No, there's a lot of a lot of closers or, here. Or Irwin. Yeah, the, I mean, you talk about closers, tough guys to play against. My goodness. Uh, we had the opportunity to, to visit with another fellow Aussie, Ian Baker Finch, a couple of times. Of course, Open Championship winner from uh, from Burkdale. Uh, he recounted the story of his first 
a British Open he played in and got a little help from some of his countrymen learning the golf courses, I remember, as a young man. Yeah, and and then he also talked about uh, after winning, uh, standing on the first tee and 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 hitting the most unbelievable shot that I think's ever been hit off that first tee when he hit it out of bounds over by Rusak's hotel. Uh, so you know the guys have been they've been very forthcoming about, and I think I said it earlier about the great things that have happened to them on the golf course and some of the things that have really been tough for them. So it's uh, it's been fun chatting with them. Yeah, it really has. I hope we didn't leave anybody out, but I think we had a nice recap of uh, most of our talks with these guys. But as we said earlier, we've we've recounted the stories uh, of a lot of key golf events in the past uh, 60, 70 years, major championships and, uh, and TPC championships and the like. Well, uh, and another story that, that, that reminded me too is, is fuzzy, fuzzy and Norman. When, when fuzzy pulled the, uh, the white towel act. (laughs) And, and we've, uh, we're going to get to talk to Fuzzy again too. He, uh, you know, we didn't. Uh, we were a little bit restricted on time when we first talked to him, and uh, and I uh, unfortunately he also lost his darling wife too this year. So uh, we'll get back with Fuzzy and we'll talk some more about his great accomplishments in this wonderful game. So uh, looking forward, Bruce. I guess you know the question for both of us is having done this now for about eight months or so, uh, which is a fairly short time, uh, but we've done a lot. So what's next? And, uh, uh, I think, uh, one of the things is just looking forward, you know, what are we trying to do in terms of the kind of future guests we want to get? What would we like to have uh, accomplished when all said and done? Well, you know, we've got, uh, I, I think it would be great if we could get to all of the all of the male world golf hall of famers that are still around today. It'd be great to talk to all of them, you know, uh, also anybody that's won a major, uh, you know, we're trying to, trying to, well, Bob Charles, for instance, who lives, still lives in New Zealand. Uh, we're going to try to get with him latter part of, uh, February and talk about his open victory in 1963. So, uh, that'd be, uh, That'd be great. And the other thing, and I, I think you've you've always wanted to do this, is talk to other people that, that are the great influences of this great game of golf and and uh, the significance of their contribution to the game as well, not just only the uh, the pros and who who get the checks and all the rest of it, but the guys that uh, have had great influence on this great game. So we have uh, a lot of stuff in the can, and uh, uh, and so for example, we've just recently talked to three guys that uh, we haven't even released their part one episode yet, Bruce. Yeah, that's uh, Larry Myers. Obviously, we we talked about him winning the uh, Masters, and then uh, Mark Kalkovecchia, who won the Open, and then uh, John Mahaffey, a PGA champion. So. Uh, we're going to get a chance to talk to them, and I'm sure we'll hear some great stories from all three of them. Well, I I, I know we will, uh, having already edited part one of uh, all of those all of those episodes. But we're probably going to have two or three episodes from each of those three guests. And then you had listed the the up and comers uh, earlier. You talked about some of our upcoming guests, and all of them major championship winners. I think of the nine guys you listed. Uh, at least four of those are Hall of Famers, and uh, so you talk about wanting to talk about all the living to all the living golf Hall of Famers. Well, we're sure getting through the list, aren't we? Yeah, we certainly are. And uh, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know what more you can say about how 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 great these guys have been to the both of us. Uh, you know, you mentioning about you know. Sometimes an hour you talk with the guys trying to get everything ready to do the podcast. They've uh, they've been they've been fantastic, and uh, you know, quick run up upcoming guys: Bobby Nichols, Lee Jansen, 
Steve Stricker, Craig Stadler, Davis Love, uh, Johnny Miller, Lou Graham, Bob Charles, and the elusive Mr. Trevino. <laughs> so let's let's go through this. We've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We've got fifteen majors in that group of the nine guys you just mentioned. That's pretty good, huh? Yeah, you know, people remember Bobby Nichols. He won the 64 PGA, but uh, uh, you may remember him for one of the guys that uh, got hurt uh, by lightning at the 1975 Western Open. And you were there because that was Trevino, Jerry Hurd, and, and... I was standing on the 14th tee, and I watched the lightning strike, and I watched these guys and this, the young boy that had the, uh, you know, the the banner with the yeah. scores on it and the lady marker uh it was a it was a very very scary time and fortunately we didn't lose anybody but i think all of them have had back problems ever since where were those guys standing bruce were they on that par 3 13th green is that where they were when you were up on 14t no they were stand they were in the fairway about to hit their second shot on 14 yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Of course, we talked about Lee Jansen. Lee was the winner of the U.S. Open in 1993, 1998. Steve Stricker just finished his Ryder Cup stint and uh, fine victory up at Whistling Straits. Craig Stadler, the winner of the 1982 Masters. Of course, we'll talk to Hall of Famer Davis Love, who won the PGA at Wingfoot in 1997. Johnny Miller, also a Hall of Famer, famously uh, scored that 63 in the final round of the U.S. Open at Oakmont, 1973, and then also won the the Open Championship at Birkdale, 1976. Lou Graham, who I remember watching this one, uh, Bruce. I was there at Medina in 1975 when he won the U.S. Open. And one of the things I remember, and I I haven't been able to find it, but I know it's in my uh, scrapbook somewhere, but the U.S. Open ticket, uh, you know, sort of the daily badge, was on a, it was a paper thing or pay, you know light cardboard paper thing on a string as most of them were that you put on your belt loop but it was in the shape of a star i don't know if you remember that but texaco must have been one of the sponsors and the uh, ticket was actually been, in the shape yeah. of a star yeah uh but that was in 1975 and that came right after the lightning event at uh, at the western open that year didn't it yes it did that's right yeah and then uh you mentioned Bob Charles, who won at Litham, I think, in 63. I think Jacqueline was the next person to win there in 69. And then, of course, Lee Trevino, Hall of Famer, with uh, the winner of six majors. So the thing to remember for our listeners is we haven't told the complete stories of too many of our guests. In other words, of the 30 guys we've talked to, we've only told the full story of a handful of them. And for most of those guys, we've got parts yeah. two, three, four actually coming, don't we? Yes, we do. And, uh, you know, uh, we've always, you and I have talked a lot about uh, maybe sponsorship of the podcast and stuff like that. And you and I have come to, uh, come to an agreement, haven't we? And you might want to tell the folks exactly what we're planning to do. Well, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, I think we approached a couple of people before we got started, and and I don't blame them for not signing up with us because they didn't know what they how we might do with this. But now I think we're past the point where we have any interest in sponsorship. Uh, just to be clear to our listeners, uh, Bruce and I aren't doing this to make money. Uh, we don't take a nickel for any of this stuff. Matter of fact, we don't bring in a nickel for any of this stuff. It's a I look upon it as a as a mildly expensive hobby at this point. But what I think our vision is, is that we realize now we are creating a nice repository of golf history, stories of these great players of yesteryear. And we want to make sure we find a good home or find someone that can archive this repository of interviews for future generations. So we would hope that in 50 years, 100 years, people want to know who Tony Jacklin is or Bruce Devlin or Gary Player or something. Uh, we can do our little part in helping tell their story in their words. And so, uh, Bruce, we've had some discussions and uh, are hopeful that uh, one of the major golf organizations 
might uh, might take this on with us. Yeah, well, we, you know, we look at the World Golf Hall of Fame, the USGA, the PGA Tour, the RNA, and and of course the PGA of America. Uh, you and I both think that this stuff should be archived, you know, 30, 40 years from now when some young player comes up and he hears a story about Jack Nicklaus or Lee Trevino, it would be great to be able to press a button and listen to their story. I think one of the things I'll, I'll mention, Bruce, and it's something, again, we've talked about, we have captured video for just about every one of our guests except those early interviews I mentioned that we did in person. And so we do have that material available, and how we're going to use it uh, is to be determined. But uh, I think we have an opportunity at a minimum to use a YouTube channel that we've created and actually repurpose these short tracks, these short highlight excerpt tracks, and produce videos from them and release those on YouTube just as another way for our listeners to sort of engage with these stars of yesteryear, actually see uh, the people we're talking to and, and bring them to life a little bit. So perhaps the next thing to look forward to for our listeners might be that you'll start seeing us pop up with these uh, short track videos on YouTube. And we'll we'll obviously uh, make sure all the players give us you know give us the ability for us to do that. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to go back to them all and say what we'd like to do. But I got a sneaking suspicion that they'll be okay with it. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Well, anyway, uh, I think that. Uh, does a nice job, Bruce, of telling the story of our first hundred episodes and gives our listeners a little bit of an insight into what we see going forward. I didn't bring a a, a glass of wine or a glass of champagne or anything to toast you, but uh, here's to the next one hundred, <laughs> partner. Yeah, yeah, I got one here too, and uh, <laughs> I, it's been it's been a fun journey, and uh, we look we look certainly look forward to chatting with the rest of these great players. And uh, I'd just like to remind everybody that's listened to our podcast, tell all your friends, you know, let's let's go from 58 countries to 158 countries and from 2,700 cities to 27,000 cities. That would be fun. And uh, you and I would look forward to that, wouldn't we, Mike? We sure would. And uh, as you say, if uh, you've got somebody or even yourself that listens but hasn't subscribed or followed, Make sure you follow us on the podcast platform of your choice for the good of the game. Thanks for joining us, Bruce. I look forward to the next 100. Me too. Thank you for listening to another episode of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. It went smack down the fairway. Then it started to slice just a smidge off line. It headed for two, but it bounced off nine. My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay. Yes, it went straight down the middle, quite a way.